0: This is Hear Me Out. I'm Celeste Headley. We just commemorated the federal holiday known officially as Columbus Day, but it's rare these days that you'll hear it called that. Indigenous People's Day has pretty much replaced celebrations of Christopher Columbus for most of us. And most of us think that's good. Not only did Columbus not really discover America, as in the current site of the United States, he also left a lot of death and anguish in his wake. That's the story of colonialism, really. But our question today isn't whether Columbus was a saint, but whether, in spite of the gift of hindsight, we should celebrate his accomplishments
1: at all. It doesn't bother me that there's a Columbus Day holiday. It doesn't bother me that it's also called Indigenous Peoples Day. They're both talking about the same thing, which is the unification of the world.
0: Professor William Connell of Seton Hall University joins us in just a moment. Stay with us. Welcome back to Hear Me Out. I'm Celeste Headley. So, most of us were taught as children that Christopher Columbus was a hero, that he discovered America, even though, of course, There had been people here for many thousands of years before his arrival in 1492, and he never actually set foot on what we know of as the United States of America. The notion that Columbus was actually not a hero and in fact was more a villain is relatively new for most people. The first state to replace Columbus Day was South Dakota. In 1990, South Dakota recognized that day as Native Americans Day. It's hard to know for certain how many places now celebrate this alternative holiday. Uh, More than 20 states have adopted some version of it, many calling it Indigenous Peoples Day, and many cities and counties elsewhere have some version of that as well. Columbus is still the namesake of the federal holiday, of course. Indigenous Peoples Day has been recognized by the president for the past two years, but in proclamations only. Even so... Many of us are now perfectly happy to assume that Christopher Columbus was not a man worth celebrating. There are those among us who do believe Columbus, the man, and his accomplishments were worthy of recognition, at least, celebration, perhaps, monuments, statues, even in a society that looks much less favorably upon what he did. Joining us now is William Connell, a professor of history and chair in Italian studies at Seton Hall University. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Celeste. Uh, It's it's great to chat with you and I'm happy to be on your show.
0: Okay, so I mean, as historian, even though we're going to... For the benefit of our audience, we're going to, to give the historical facts of Christopher Columbus. I don't need to tell those to you. I mean, you know that the true history of, of Christopher Columbus, if that was his real name, and it probably wasn't. Tell Tell me what your opinion is here. What is your possibly unpopular opinion about the holiday Christopher Columbus Day?
1: So let's put it this way. I, well, first of all, his name was it was uh, in Spanish, Cristobal Cristobal. Uh, Cologne, but also uh, Cristoforo Colombo in, in Genoa. He, he really was uh, born uh, in Genoa uh, of uh, of an Italian father, who Domenico, who was a an innkeeper. So I think it's important to emphasize what happened rather than look for saints and monsters, which is what uh, the proxy battles around the Columbus Day holiday have been doing lately. And I'm amused by, but... Uh, also saddened by the lack of interest in the real history that one finds uh, on both sides of the Columbus disputes, both the Italian Americans trying to defend Columbus Day and uh, and Native Americans attacking Columbus Day. Uh, it's interesting to track the course of the holiday and celebrations and images around Columbus through time. He's really a, a polyvalent uh, symbolic character for people who have Different causes and agendas through history, uh, so I think it's important to look instead at the at the day.
0: Wait, I want to hold on for just a second because I only know poly what polyvalent means in the medical sense, meaning that it has it affords immunity against a whole bunch of different strains of yeah. of, a, <laughs> of, a, of a of a of a poison. Uh, what does that mean in, in when it comes to Columbus?
1: So just like a, a vaccine would would be uh, active against uh, or defend against many uh, many diseases. Columbus has meant many things over time uh, to many different people. And that continues to be the case. But the day, I think, is, is important. You see, uh, for instance, we don't celebrate his birthday like we used to celebrate Washington's and Lincoln's birthday. We don't celebrate uh, his death day, which is how the Catholic Church uh, celebrates saints. Uh, it's really what happened on that day. So, as actually, as I see it, it doesn't bother me that there's a Columbus Day holiday it doesn't bother me that it's also uh, called uh, an Indigenous People's Day. They're both talking about the same thing, which is the unification of the world, the, uh, the creation of a global world that we all belong to. And if you step back, try to think of a day that we know precisely, a day in the calendar, you know, uh, that is more important in world history. Okay, so the invention of agriculture, probably more important, but we don't know what day that happened on. People used to say that the birth of Jesus uh, in the Christian world was the most important day in history, or in Islam, the flight of Muhammad from Mecca to Medina, where the Islamic calendar begins. But uh, if you look today at, at history, I think we're fortunate that it, it wasn't the uh, first explosion of an atomic bomb. Uh, there hasn't been the kind of nuclear apocalypse that we would fear. You know, the invention of the printing press, so well, we don't know what day it happened, but October 12th is I think the most significant day in the history of this planet uh that we can find. Uh and indigenous okay. peoples I'm going to interrupt you oh, here sure, for sure. just a
0: second here, Bill. Because I, I mean, I I'm not to be nitpicky, but um the, the reason we don't celebrate the h- invention of agriculture is cuz Nobody knows when that is. Exactly. I mean, possibly about somewhere around 12,000 years ago, maybe in South America, somebody tried farming instead of wandering around picking berries. I mean, one of the reasons we don't celebrate these days, and frankly...
1: Is that we don't know, but we do do know October 12th.
0: Yeah, but that whole rhyme uh, in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. a A lot of this, the simplification and even October 12th, it's like... he he made four voyages and and when he landed what he did was land in what we now know as Haiti and proceeded to decimate the population of the Taina people in the most horrifically awfully grotesque, violent inhumane well I say inhumane if it weren't absolutely human for people to behave that way possible so if if that's what we're saying is that we're marking this date as him shaping the world, then what we're ag- acknowledging is that he shaped the world.
1: No, we to could be call it. We could call horrible. it horrible. We could call it. <laughs> we, could call it we, we could call it Indigenous Peoples Day, and that's fine too. I think that President Biden actually sucked a lot of the venom out of these controversies uh, when he decided to proclaim Indigenous Peoples Day. Uh, on the same day as Columbus Day. It's, it's, it's a kind of realistic r- realization that this made the worlds that we live in with lots of tragedy and suffering, uh, but it, it, it also did make possible, uh, for instance, the, eventually the creation of the United States of America for good or for bad, you know? Um, so, so I think that, I, that that's what I, that's why I'd like to emphasize the dates uh, in history, rather than looking for, you know, a saint or a monster. Columbus, then, as a person, let's put it this way:
0: I mean, he was kind of a monster, though. Well, he
1: was—he was. Let's put it—he was—he
0: was, was a monster.
1: He didn't go to Hispaniola, uh, the island that includes Haiti and and Santo Domingo, with the intent of killing lots and lots of people.
0: But he did kill lots and but lots of the
1: people. The diseases far outnumbered the the people who were killed by the uh, Spanish colonists. But uh, but yes, many people died uh, and they would continue to die throughout the whole process of these worlds coming together.
0: Wait, Bill, I got to stop you here because yes, diseases killed a lot of people. But we're talking about people, first of all, where he famously said, talked about how Lovely they were as people, yeah, how generous they were, and how how so much love that they greeted him uh-huh. with. And yet, and yet, he decided that because they were so generous and lovely, that would make them easy to conquer. And so he would whip them for very minor offenses. If they stole a vegetable, he would cut off their a nose or a hand and then sometimes force them to walk around with their severed body part as punishment. He sometimes kidnapped a woman and gifted it to help one of his crewmen who would then proceed to beat them and rape them regularly. He would pregnant women were captured. And then the, the, their babies after they were born were at, at times thrown to hungry dogs. I mean, that's a, Monst- I mean, it's true. yes, no, they died from diseases. This is all...
1: I've written about those things.
0: I know you have. You know all of this. But
1: Welcome when... to the awful world of the 16th century. They did those things in Spain also.
0: Yes, yes, but after just, fo- just four years after he arrived in what we now know as Haiti, only two-thirds of those people were still alive, and fully half of those who died took their own lives rather than continue to live under the rule of Columbus and his crewmen. I mean, I,
1: I don't believe there was mass suicide like that, but that, you know, but go ahead.
0: I mean, I, I took that from the, the University of Mary Washington, a, a historian there. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just trying to that... imagine
1: the scene of, of, you know, let's say uh, 20,000 people all committing suicide. I just I find that hard to imagine. It's the 16th century was a terrible time. Uh, Slavery and mutilation and amputation, that was commonplace throughout the Mediterranean world, throughout Ah, Spain, Africa, everywhere. But we
0: just talked about, and yet, well, and yet, we just talked about Christopher Columbus describing the Taino people as being welcoming and loving and warm and wonderful to him. So commonplace among whom?
1: (laughs) Well, those were his first voyages that was his very first voyage. Uh, and uh, things disintegrated on Hispaniola in an almost uh, predictable way. It's hard to imagine a different scenario for these two cultures coming together that would have been peaceful, given the nature of the of the societies. Um, but let's let's go back to Christopher Columbus. He was a total yes. disaster on Hispaniola. He was fired by. Ferdinand and Isabella he was stripped of his title of viceroy and it never came back to him uh what he was he was he was a bad governor as he just couldn't do it Cervantes makes fun of of him by having Sancho Panza become a great governor of an island The uh so so he was he was he was awful it was a mess he was a bad person but but (laughs) as what he was was a navigator and sea captain uh, and for that, he was pretty amazing. Think of, of what it takes to command a ship of uh, 20, 30, 40 men across an unknown ocean. Uh, the kind of, in a world where uh, in the sailing uh, industry back then, uh, if there's a threat of mutiny, you hanged somebody from the yard arms. Uh, you would whip your sailor, your own sailors. This was just the way things were back then and Columbus among that class of people of navigators and sea captains was really extraordinary.
0: Okay so uh, we have to take a break here Bill for a second. I do not um, argue with the fact that he was a he was a pretty good navigator but there were other pretty good navigators. <laughs> at the time that we don't name holidays for Um, and I I could not disagree I know that you are not defending Columbus that I don't want any of our listeners to think that you are Um, it was terrible we're really arguing about I know he was awful and and I know you don't disagree with that so what we're really disagreeing about with the fact that you're not bothered by leaving his name on on the holiday that's all we're disagreeing about so we're going to come back and disagree with about that a little bit more Um, this is hear me out Uh, I'm talking with uh, William Connell a historian, and we'll be back in just a moment. And we're back. This is Hear Me Out, a podcast from Slate. I'm Celeste Headley. And we're talking with historian William Connell about uh, Christopher Columbus, a a good navigator and and just terrible, terrible person. (laughs) And the question is, does it matter if this date October 12th has his name on it or not. Bill Connell says it doesn't really matter because the date is important enough. I think I I have summed that up correctly.
1: Right. And and I'm fine with it being changed to Indigenous Peoples Day, which recognizes exactly the same thing, which is the coming together of uh, of the planet. Um, But it's interesting to look at the history of how Columbus Day uh, came to be called that in the United States, especially. Okay it really starts in the late 18th century just after the success of the american revolution when you have uh, king's university becoming columbia university and the district of columbia becoming our capital the message there is really not about columbus it's about the the new world that he found Uh, in which these European settlers uh, in the United States, but then also in places like Colombia, the country itself, saw the possibility of a social and political experiment that would have been impossible in old Europe, in the old world. Uh, And so they're really celebrating something new. Uh, And the image of Colombia was a female allegorical figure that you find in prints and things like that, rather than Rather than Columbus, the sailor behind the, uh, the 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 this this the steering wheel uh, that you see today, but that changes so that we have uh, in the 1820s and 1830s as the Latin American countries revolt from Spain, and there's a preoccupation in the United States with Spain and Latin America, Spanish culture, investment investments in Latin America, and so forth. There's this idea that that the United States can, in a sense, become the heir to the, the weak and decadent Spanish empire. Uh, and so Hispanicity becomes key, uh, in Colombian celebrations. And in, in Spain today, it's the national holiday, October 12th. It's the, it's the day of Hispanicity, uh, spoke for, for the Spanish language being spoken around the world. That's, that's sort of what matters in that context. The Italian connection with Columbus Day only begins in the 1890s when uh, there's, which is 1892, It's the first year in which the very largest number of immigrants to the United States come from Italy. Uh, And they're responding to instances of discrimination, of lynching. There's a terrible lynching in New Orleans of uh, men who had had been uh, either acquitted or um, the charges had been dropped in a prison in in New Orleans in uh, in 1892. So the Italians see Columbus as an existing national hero, going back even to those traditions, like I said, of Columbia and whatever. And they use Columbus, the fact that he was born in Genoa, uh, as a way of legitimating their presence in a hostile country that's not welcoming to them as immigrants. Uh, And in a way, then, they become almost victims of their own success by the 1990s uh, when having uh, made this uh, a federal holiday and then making it really an ethnic holiday rather than a national celebration like it had been back in the 18th century. And suddenly the holiday is attacked by, um, by activists. It's, it's, an, it's a fascinating story, the celebration of Columbus and its evolution through time that I, as a historian, Observe, and in a way, it's a lesson of the way holidays are malleable, how they're used by various interests, and so I think that's it's interesting to study them, and uh, and I feel a certain kind of sympathy with the people who march and parade, uh, as long as they don't have uh, especially vile beliefs uh, that they're trying to promote, and so I, I it doesn't bother me that uh, that Columbus Day exists as a, as a holiday. This is why it was really wise of President Biden to say, well, look, if you want to celebrate it as the, as Native American Day or Indigenous People's Day, which all it all began by the way in Berkeley in uh, where I was a graduate student in in 1992. That's fine. But it doesn't bother me that on our calendar, there's a a day that marks when this uh, happened. And of course, it doesn't fall on October 12th anymore because it became a movable feast is what they call it, a day that changes uh, because it's a Monday holiday.
0: I mean, frankly, I I think that we could make an argument for other moments in history that have even more impactful uh, results. Like, you could have the uh, Thomas Savory Day. Right. You could you could pinpoint the first steam engine uh-huh. and say that had an even broader effect on history than October 12th. Do you think so? Oh, yeah. Honestly, I think the the Industrial Revolution has had impacts on history that I don't think we have even come to grips with. I think if we're just going to go... With taking value neutral judgments, I, I honestly, I think you could look back on slavery and l- sift through some of our greatest. We
1: do have Juneteenth, uh, and and e- yes,
0: we just now. But I'm t- look, talking about going through the history, global the, the history of global slavery, uh, and look at some of the great leaders and inspirational leaders of slaves period who have inspired slaves worldwide um, and, and create a date that actually becomes significant, especially when works get translated throughout the world. I mean, I think you could come up with dates, even if you're just looking at Italian Americans, you could have an Enrico Fermi day <laughs> who, for his work on radioactivity and and the, the discovery of brand new elements uh-huh. because that then becomes the Manhattan Project. that leads to the the, the, the so, an entirely like, different age.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, how do you get How do you get something like that through Congress?
0: I don't think you get anything through Congress. I think Congress is completely and totally dysfunctional and you you couldn't get a drip of water through Congress at this. I mean, we're talking about a a dumpster fire bill.
1: No, exactly. exactly. And I have lots of Italian-American friends who would prefer that there be just a a general Italian Heritage Day. But I can't imagine the Italians are 5% of the population, Italian-Americans. I can't imagine Congress deciding to give a federal holiday to uh, Italian-Americans. I have very good friends who would say, well, let's say, like you say, um, Enrico Fermi uh, or Sacco and Vanzetti, uh, but I just can't imagine Congress approving such a thing. So you have, if you're Italian-American, you've got Columbus State. The question is, how do you make it, uh, s- since it's going to be on the, on the federal calendar as that, Sure, allow, uh, allow South Dakota to have Native American Day. There are more Native Americans in South Dakota than there are Italian Americans. But it'll it'll be on the calendar for, on the federal calendar with the banks closed and the post offices closed, probably, probably. into the future for a long time. Uh, so why not try to broaden it out? I, I've, I remember suggesting to the organizers of the parade in New York that they uh, reach out to the casinos, the Indian casinos in upstate New York and in Connecticut, where many of the patrons are Italian American and let them have floats uh, in the parade. Uh, why not uh, just make it understood that it's a it's a it's a parade. It's just a holiday. It's not real history. It doesn't change anything. It's symbolic and let's make it a, uh, Maybe maybe have uh, some some humor involved, some satire and some grief. A dear friend of mine, Fred Gardafay at Stony Brook, who has their the Italian at uh, now he's at uh, at CUNY, was instrumental in Chicago in 1992 in having an American Indian contingent in the parade. Uh, who. Uh, Burned, burned sage uh, in recognition of the tragedies involved in the conquest of the West. Uh, and I think that's that's fine. Uh, I, I have no, no uh, objection to that. But, you know, it's there on the calendar. Uh, Columbus was a historical figure. Uh, and in the late 15th, early 16th centuries, he stands out as uh, for the things that he was bad, all right, It's hard to imagine things going better with the Spanish taking those islands.
0: Let me interrupt you just here for a second, Bill, because we have to take a break in a moment. But A, truly, we would have to set the date at at circa 870, perhaps, when when the Norse... It, it discovered the new lands in the North Atlantic um, and Eric the Red came from Iceland and Leif Erikson came to North America and, and Canada probably but the other thing is is that just having historical impact doesn't mean you want to remember that person's name forever especially when they were a murderer and genocidal for example and I hate to do this right before we tame it, take a break but being of black and Jewish extraction if you were to name a, a holiday day after Hitler, there would be problems. And for many indigenous people, naming a date after Columbus is the same impact. Um, And I'm going to let you respond because I I realize it's unfair to do this right before a break. So we will take a break. This is Hear Me Out, a podcast from Slate. We're talking about Christopher Columbus, and we will be back in a moment. We're back. I'm talking to historian William Connell, who is talking about Christopher Columbus and not defending him. I want to be clear: this is a podcast from Slate. I'm Celeste Headley. Before we took a break, I went there and mentioned Hitler, so I want to give you the chance to respond because, again, we're talking about a man who committed genocide, and and I I my feeling is that putting his name, I know that you feel that he's historically important and there's no denying that but so is so are so many tyrants so is Mussolini so are 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 many people who do horrible horrible things and that doesn't mean we need to constantly remind people of them by putting their names on a date on our calendar. And so I feel like even as a historian
1: uh, okay so well take the name if off. I can if I can say, <laughs> Uh, look, it's a democracy, and if people want to do it, that's fine. The uh, first of all, I, I don't think that there would be much support for uh, honoring Leif Erikson or the Vikings. The key <laughs> thing about eight, about 1492 is that it established lasting contact uh, between the continents, uh, it, it, between the Eurasian landmass and the uh, and the Americas. Uh, I
0: guess, though he just went to the Caribbean. A
1: huge, a huge impact. But then the term genocide is a is a very not really appropriate. That's not what Columbus was interested in. Uh, he was interested in at at a certain point he had to pay back the loan sharks who financed uh, helped finance his voyage. It wasn't just uh, Isabella's jewels, and so he he brought slaves back and tried to sell them. It's interesting that uh, Isabella had qualms about about selling slaves who hadn't converted to Christianity yet so they interfered with Columbus's uh, slave auction and he died never paying back his his loan sharks uh, it, it was a terrible world back then but genocide I don't think is the is the proper term for what happens on on Hispaniola even though a lot of the population died uh, most of it
0: what what percentage of the population has to die? As a,
1: and, and Bill, as someone seriously, who Seriously, what percentage As someone who has Jewish I, I ancestry, you this, should be Bill. very careful about using the term genocide.
0: I am I am very careful. What percentage of the population has to die before you would call it no, genocide?
1: No, it's it's the intention behind it to wipe out a I people. I don't
0: think intention matters. If I step on your toe, it doesn't my intention to step on your toe doesn't matter. He he and he literally said we know from his writings, and you know this. He said, "Oh, they're so sweet and loving; it'll be easy to take them over." And he purposely brutalized the Taíno people because they were so kind to him.
1: That's—I
0: mean—that was intentional.
1: Let's let's move on, but I think that you should be very careful about using the word genocide. And so, uh, I feel like I am. And let's—and okay. you said you had African descent, also. Uh, here's here's yes. something that, that I think is that yeah. this will this will be uh, particularly interesting and to your hearers too. It takes us back to 2020 when the statues were coming down around the country in the in the wake of the terrible George Floyd murder. It was crazy. It seemed to me that uh, that you had between 30 and 50. Uh, Columbus monuments, about 30 of them uh, vandalized and destroyed, and more than 50, probably now it's about 70, being taken down by the authorities in response to uh, this murder of a black man. Uh, And uh, only 18 Robert E. Lee statues were taken down. It seemed to me a a very strange reaction that in towns that I know uh, where police uh, stops of, of African Americans have been a real problem: New Haven, Waterbury, Connecticut, Chicago, Philadelphia, uh, cities in New Jersey, where I live, West Orange. Instead of uh, reforming their police, which was the, which was what really was on the nation's agenda in June of 2020, suddenly began worrying about their Columbus statues, uh, and the police, or the, well, the, the, suddenly, and some of the policemen, yes, some of the policemen point. that I know, uh, were sort of relieved. Unfortunately, I mean, there should have been serious town council discussions in all of those places about uh, police reform and stopping procedures. And instead, there was this there were these pillow fights about Columbus statues. I think that that there needs to be a sense that, you know, this stuff happened around 1500 and it was inevitable. It was inevitable that the continents would come together and it was inevitable that there would be diseases exchanged. And it was inevitable, given the violent societies on both sides, that there would have been a lot of bloodshed. Uh, and I think it's better for us to be dealing with and try to correct the problems in the world that exist today than fighting over symbols from 500 years ago.
0: Okay. So a I, I, uh, few things. I, I agree with you that it's odd that people would pull down more Columbus statues. If it's true, I have no idea if that's true, but yes, I I agree that it's odd that they would pull down more Columbus statues than Robert E. Lee. I think the Robert E. Lee statues should come down. Even Robert E. Lee said they should take down all the trappings of the, the confederacy it was not suddenly that people were worried about the statues people have been calling for them to come down for a very long time um, and i think it's a little bit demeaning to call that a pillow fight uh, for those people who have felt since the statues went up that that's an attempt by those who have power in society to make those who don't have in power in society feel as they walk by that every day that that they are being put in their place each day on their way to work, on their way to school. That's how that feels. Yeah.
1: What personally? When do you think the Columbus statues uh, began to become a, a problem? When did when did people begin to feel badly about them? I
0: I don't want to speak on behalf of any indigenous people. We have not. My family has not had a significant amount of indigenous heritage in our blood since my great grandmother. But I will relay what they have told me which is that from birth
1: huh. okay <laughs> that
0: that that they that when they're born that's been a problem so we're almost out of time so let me just finish what I in response to what you said which is that b- both of those things that you talked about can be true that both the statues need to come down in order for us to move on and help people f- everyone feel as though they are welcomed in our society and that they belong that in the United States of America, where Christopher Columbus never set foot, I don't see a reason why we should be paying for the statues or maintaining them. Um, And that um, to make people feel that they belong here, it's okay. Yeah. That it's okay to let it go and to, to reform the police. I think both of those things, can happen.
1: Sure. It just it, 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 uh, it obstructed efforts for reform precisely where it was needed at the key moment, um, and I think that's unfortunate. I've studied, I've studied the statues and their reception. Uh, it's interesting. The very first actual pulling down of a Columbus statue was in 2004, so very recent, and it took place in Caracas where Hugo Chavez uh, encouraged it uh, and, and brought it down. I'm very much in favor of public art, and I think that needs to uh, be taken into consideration. It brings, uh, it prompts thoughts, memories, uh, and and negative ones, as as you suggest. Uh, but uh, let's have more public art rather than uh, than just take down. Uh, I think it was maybe about 150 statues all told taken down in the. In the uh, the wake of the George Floyd thing, you know, a statue of Cervantes in in, uh, in San Francisco for his, his Thomas Jefferson in Portland it became it became fairly ridiculous.
0: We're gonna have to leave it there, but I guarantee you, Bill, we are going to get a lot of responses great great <laughs> Celeste yes. um and you know what? look, it, the discussion is good
1: and it was five hundred years ago
0: it was five hundred years ago so. I know that many of you out there are going to get fired up by this conversation. I guarantee you that Bill and I could have continued talking for quite some time. It doesn't matter which part of it you want to respond to. Maybe it was, what is genocide? Maybe it was, (laughs) is a statue of Columbus considered public art? No matter what your thoughts are, we want to hear them. So, email us. It's hearmeout@slate.com. Now, last week, we took a break from all this serious, newsy, historical stuff, and we took a stroll. Or if you were on the team of Lucy Lopez, you did not go for a walk. In any case, we got emails on both sides of that debate, walk or not walk, and we wanted to share part of an email we got from a listener named Christina. Christina wrote this, yes, Walking is great. I love walking. I love nature. I love not having COVID. I love being liberal. What I don't love is the attitude so many of us adopt once we start living our best lives and feeling ourselves. Once we have the articles and the research to back up our claims and debates, please remember the days you weren't your best and skip the part about how you got awesome. Remember being stuck, slow down your roll a little bit, give the person to the left a chance to catch their breath and choose kindness and empathetic understanding over waspy self-righteousness or privileged virtue signaling. Bless you, Christina, I absolutely love that. Let's uh, always lean into our kindness and empathetic understanding and, and let privileged virtue signaling take a hike. Hear Me Out is a podcast from Slate. The show is produced by the very kind Maura Curry. Ben Richmond is our empathetic senior director of podcast operations. And Alicia Montgomery is a very understanding VP of Slate Audio. I'm your host, Celeste Headley. Until next time, speak your mind, but keep it open.